Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. We hope The Ringer can provide you entertainment and companionship during this time. So as always, feel free to check out theringer.com, where we're still covering the latest in sports, pop culture, tech, and media. And The Ringer's YouTube channel can provide endless amounts of entertainment. You can find that at youtube.com slash theringer. Welcome to Tinfoil Tuesday, your Wednesday tradition on the Recapables Westworld, because Tuesday, as we know it, is only a simulation. I am David Jewmaker, joined as always by the blameless and helplessly enslaved Danny Heifetz and our loyal producer Bobby Wagner. We are about to have a mind-warping, spoiler-filled discussion of all the theories and speculations spilling out of Westworld Season 3, Episode 4, The Mother of Exiles including a deep dive into the four Doloreses of the apocalypse, the tenuous humanity of one William, and of course, Westworld read it out of context. We'll also have listener mail, so if you want to drop us a line for a future episode, please do. The email address is therecapablesWestworld at gmail.com. We'll say that again later on. Here's what we know so far. We're four episodes into the third season of this wonderful, wonderful show. Here's what we know. There's four fucking Doloreses. One for each episode. <laughs> uh, everything else that we could say uh, sort of pales in comparison to that thing um, first of all Danny how you doing I'm good I, I prefer free and evil as opposed to blameless and helplessly enslaved but that's just a personal <laughs> preference alright uh, Bobby how are you doing today I'm feeling good I like the four lorises of the apocalypse that's coming up in our doc um, I was. I think. I think you were the first one to coin that, or something approaching that. But anyway, why wait any longer? Let's jump right into the mailbag. Plug for Bobby. The four Dolores of the apocalypse. I, I kind of just like the four Dolores of the apocalypse. I mean, because it's four. But I guess four Dolores is good. I Whatever. like four Dolores. I'm still waiting favorite. on my four Photoshop Loris. shoemaker. What's you, up? Um, my Photoshop skills are reserved for the important things. Uh, <laughs> and by definition, any podcast that I'm a part of cannot fit that category. Anyway. Um, but this is the way. That was a discussion that we had off air because Bobby wanted a Photoshop of the four horsemen of the apocalypse with four Dolores. But we said that off air. So if anyone wants to do that, please feel free to send that in. Okay. Yeah. I should be, I should be outsourcing more of my, uh, more of my Photoshop work. <laughs> would make a lot of sense. Anyway. Um, there are four Doloreses. We're calling them the four Doloreses of the Apocalypse or the four Doloreses of the Apocalypse or whatever you, however you want to mash four up Lorises. those words. You, Danny, if we took any, if, if, if any two words mashed up together would make you happy. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, that's um, great. Creation. Uh, <laughs> I should not have laughed at that. I'm encouraging you. Um, okay. First question is actually about the fifth Loris, uh, as Heifetz put it in this little note to me. This is from Jay and Jack and Sean and many others. Um, the question is, aren't we missing a Dolores clone? When she left the park as Hale slash Dolores, she had five pearls plus her own, so six total. We can assume that she took the pearl from the Hale Dolores and put it into the current Dolores, so that's one. The second was Arnold. The third is the new Hale. The fourth is Musashi. The fifth is Connell's. Doesn't that leave the sixth person unaccounted for, or am I missing something? Um, My answer to this is that none of the pearls necessarily relate one-to-one to the existing uh, faux Dolores's, but maybe I'm crazy. Danny, why don't you take the first stab at this? Well, no, so there is definitely one left, for sure, because she left with five, and he, all the people who sent us this are right. There's one unaccounted for, but we don't know if that's in play yet, or maybe she's saving it for a future thing. So I don't think it, it either means someone is in play that we haven't accounted for yet, or she might have one more version of herself in mind that she wants to replace. Maybe this is just going way, way, way over my head. But my interpretation is that she created these new Doloreses. That there was a, that this was between her and Bernard and their creation skills. They, they built these. Now, maybe they needed the control units as like, like we talked about before. Like they needed to erase the data and reprogram them. But why would, why would five... I mean, there weren't any more Doloreses on the island. So the five things that she escaped with, don't, why would they reflect these new these new Dolores people at all. Does that make sense? Um, No, well, because no, they, she had to put a control unit into the people. So like the version of Musashi that's Dolores has a control unit. So but you're saying she, she took assuming. five control units. It didn't matter who they were or she took Musashi's or whatever, but like, but she basically deleted it and recreated it. 
I think I think the best explanation is that they were blank. They were kind of like blank hard drives. Right. And so that, she has the ability to create a total of five beings. Yeah, and one of them was Bernard, and then I guess if you turn it on, maybe it turns red. That's the best working explanation that there is, is that if you turn the one of them on when there's data on it, it turns all red like Bernard's is, and that the other ones were blank. I think that's the most likely explanation. So if you were to now cut open Musashi's head and you looked inside, it would have like the control unit, but it would be red, kind of how Bernard's looked. So there's either, I mean, so in theory, she has another one. So it could have been a deliberate thing. It could have been that she decided she really wanted, you know, somebody besides, it, was, it, she, it could be that she was planning on deleting that one too, if we're going to take that, uh, you know, your your explanation at face value, or it could be someone specific. Um, I guess, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes a certain amount of sense that if we got the big reveal in episode four, that, there four, that there's four Doloreses, that maybe episode five takes a turn immediately into like, who is the fifth Dolores? And then we end up like, Searching for Cylons for the next the, the six al- episodes. Well, the alternative explanation is that Shorty used it. And the original Dolores who did all of this, the original one who came to the mainland when she was in Charlotte's body, is dead and was already killed. That's a whole other thing. But basically, it boils down to at the end of season two, the original Dolores was in Charlotte's body. And then we cut to the beginning of season three and the original and we think the original Dolores is in Dolores's body. And it's like, how would that transfer of work? That doesn't make any sense, because following the rough timeline, you've got Dolores and Dolores's body. And then Charlotte is debriefing Charlotte, who is Charloris. But that doesn't make any sense. It should have been the reverse, right? It should have been Charloris debriefing new Dolores. So it's like, oh, maybe she just made her because she wanted a hop back in her body or something. But maybe it's possible that. The original Char Char Loris like degraded and had to be killed because remember that episode three where they were standing by the elevator bank and Char Loris is like, are you going to have me killed because Dolores books the hotel rooms on either side? It's a really random thing to just throw into the show. Are you going to have me killed? And Dolores doesn't say, nah, never. She says that won't be necessary. Right. Like, it's not like, no, it's like probably not, which implies to me that maybe she killed a previous version of Char Loris which is why she had to debrief a new one because that doesn't seem like it would have been necessary. So that's the alternative to me is like, maybe there's one still in play or she already killed the previous version of Charlotte. Or, I mean, just like the, just the, like the, the fact that there's like, you know, a closet with 15 uh, Bernards in it back on Westworld, maybe like, you know, there's a limit to what they can do with it at some point, or just like with all these create all, all the host creations, like with, uh, yeah, it's like jeans, you know, you just have 20 and it's like, they all look the same, but like, you know, to you that you know, the difference. No, what I yes, that's that that is. I guess I, I take it with what you're saying, but what I, what I'm trying to say is just like with with um with James Delos, it's like it, it's not going to work every time. So oh, may, yeah, so maybe yes, by, so exactly maybe, maybe by saying like, are you going to kill me? It just means are you going to like start over with my CPU? Are you going to wipe it and start over again? But I mean, that doesn't mean it's necessarily that that control unit is out of the equation. I guess. Well, here, here's a totally wild speculation on my part. Tell me if this makes it, if this holds any water. You remember when um, Maeve discovered she was in a simulation in episode two and then located her, well, it wasn't really, it wasn't a traditional control unit, but basically her functional control unit, control unit was like a branch in that tree in that lab and that she had the robot go get? Yes. If, we're, if from that we are, to, we are to gather that you have to have a control unit to exist in whatever the Rehoboam parallel universe is, Maybe that's why we're missing a Dolores. Maybe the Dolores that escaped the island took the four remaining ho- control units, made Doloreses with them, and put them all in the simulation. Ooh. So real, the, wow. the missing Dolores is outside the simulation. Or inside the simulation. Wow, that's good. Anyway, um, the one more question on the subject for, from uh, Sean. He asks, what if the last brain ball is Peter Abernathy? This is, I've heard this floating around a lot. Remember, 35 years of data was supposedly uploaded into Abernathy, and then his pearl went missing. So where is it? Sirach wants human data, not hosts. The stuff that's in the clouds is the valley beyond, the host consciousnesses. Charlotte Hale is the one that hid the data in Abernathy, but she is dead now, and nobody knows where she put it besides Sizemore, but he's dead too. What if Sirach thinks that Dolores beamed the human data to the cloud and doesn't know it's actually in a, in a brain ball? Danny? I think this is actually... Not a bad explanation. I think this is pretty plausible because I was surprised in the episode two when we saw Maeve in the simulation and then it turned out that Sizemore was a Sim Sizemore and trying to get it. 
basically how season two ended was remember that there were two big pieces of data, two big files having to be emailed. One was all the host data of the host minds, and that's like the IP. And the other one was the human recorded data, which is like the giant trove of like Facebook data, like the Cambridge Analytica stuff. So Ciroc is building this big comprehensive mosaic of human behavior. He wants the human data. And he doesn't know where it is. He thinks that Dolores beamed it up into the sky, into some server. Mm -hmm. It seems that what he doesn't know is that she beamed the host data up into the human server and either deleted the human data or has it in Peter Abernathy's control unit something. We don't really totally know. Okay. So it totally is plausible to me that it it would make a lot of sense if where we're going is that the key piece Ciroc is missing is that he might try to obtain all that human data, bring it back if he ever gets it, and then, oh, plot twist, it's the host data. Dolores had the human stuff somewhere else all along in Peter Abernathy's control unit. Wait, but doesn't he know that because he's offered Maeve a chance to go there to the Valley Beyond? Doesn't he know about this Valley Beyond situation? That is true. But I guess where I'm confused is that the simulation he made with Maeve, was he trying to trick her? Or did he? Was he not trying to extract any information from he her? Was. Of any he was. Kind? Try, he was trying to find out, obviously, what if she knew anything that he didn't know, or assuming that she, that she knew something he didn't know. And I'm and I have trouble with this too. I think we talked about this last week. That I, that it seems like they're talking about two different troves of information as if they're the same thing. I guess. So so, in, so in essence, I agree with you. But I guess what I keep getting hung up on is, and don't put anything past this show. I, I you know, so take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But like, we're talking about two different gigabyte uploads. Like, that's the seems that's like the a really thing, yeah. weird like like curtain. You know, pull back the curtain, and that's what the that's what we've been talking. We've been talking past each other the whole time. That seems like a real sort of just like Keystone Cops moment for what's otherwise like a supremely intellectual show. Yeah, I don't think a drag and drop is going to be a really great reveal in any capacity. That's why yeah. I'm. That's why I'm generally against the Peter Abernathy stuff. Is it's well, I think Peter Abernathy has cares? to play a part. I, I, I just don't. I just don't. I mean, and I think that there, there's so many questions surrounding it that any of these. That, I mean, the question that that um, that Sean Sinan could be correct, and I think your interpretation of it has a chance of being correct too. I don't. I'm not disagreeing with any of it. I'm sort of. Are you saying Sean and I should fight? No, I just think that there's. I just kind of disagree with the. No, no I say I'm, I have a little bit of discomfort with the premise that like this whole thing is going to be about some level of confusion about what's inside Peter Abernathy. I, I think that I guess we have to find him. I guess, I mean, that's, that's, that's clearly the, 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 the point of the show. I just think that like, and again, I can be wrong about this. I, I will. I'm almost certainly wrong about this, but from where I'm sitting right now, it just seems like, like they, like episode four that we, the, the last episode we just watched mother of exiles was so well done because it, it, it made everything tangible, Right. This this like this high yeah. concept show is suddenly about four like clone robots that are like that have made like a super team to take down the world. Right? I love that that's tangible in this show. Well, I mean, it is in the sense that it's we're not just talking about the theories of like philosophies of life, right? I mean, this is like a real. This is a straight I love up the philosophies act. of life. Yeah, well, so do I. But yeah, there's a time and a place. I guess all of that is to say that like. I, I assume that we are going to be on the hunt in the near future for the physical body of Peter Abernathy, which has been shipped off the island or something, or, or uploaded. I, I don't know. Well, she, she, Dolores snatched his mind in season two. She took it. She ripped it out of his head. But what, right. So okay. So, but I mean, I guess to me, it's my discomfort with this question is that just a sort of philosophical debate over which upload I want to access is not does not fit in with what we've saw in the last episode and and is not going to be particularly fulfilling if it's as simple as I just said it but it probably won't be they'll probably do exactly what I'm saying they won't do and it'll be good whatever let's move on yeah let's get more tangible stuff uh yeah more tangible questions why don't why don't you hit the next question for it well on, on that note you mentioned the philosophy and the tangible one that kind of touches on both this one's from T Kelly uh Teague says the idea is since it appears that the mirror world and indeed most of the reproductions in the show are slightly imperfect, are we heading toward a showdown where the multiple Doloreses are pitted against each other? 
Can four entities be one entity? And if not, what happens when one or more of them start making up their own mind? I love this because there is a philosophical or psychological component, but it's also just practically, are all these four things just on the same page? We, we right. talked on our last episode about whether they can all communicate. Are they like on the same radio waves or is it like the voice to call or something an iMessage or are they actually separate beings? And I think that is really important because it's interesting if they're like some super soldier, whatever, all on the same one mind, like a singularity type thing, or could they like fight each other? Like if Dolores was going to ax the Charlotte who was freaking out in the hotel room, what happens if these things turn on each other? That that is fascinating. I have so many feelings about this question. <laughs> Let me say that up front. My first reaction is uh, that no, because that just seems like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess like this show keeps on sort of like cutting itself in half. And I guess there's some sort of cellular reproduction thing we could talk about. But at first it's like host versus, I mean, humans versus hosts. And then it's just like some host versus some other host. And now it's going to be like the one host versus like it's that same host. Like it's, like the, the 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 stakes as the stakes get bigger, it seems like the playing field gets smaller and smaller. But yes, I think the big. I think the the more I, the more I sit with it, the answer is clearly yes. The, like you know, one of the things that we've been dealing with since the Wait, very did you beginning. Just start by saying no. Yes, I said my first instinct was no, but the more that I deal with it, the more that I think about it, I think the answer is yes, and this is why. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Um, I can say if there's anything I'm sure about in this show because of what we've experienced so far, it's that this show will not end whatever, whenever it ends with Dolores being the villain or it will not be a straight line. She's the villain. Now I don't think the season will end with her being the villain. We saw Ford's flip back and forth, you know, in the same season, multiple times. Like if I can make a wrestling reference, the big show, but, uh, and I think Dolores will, will, you know, will at least, there will at least be a, like a Dolores did nothing wrong moment in the season that will give I- us all, I disagree with that. Firmly, well, well, regardless, let me just get to the end because I, 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 I could totally be wrong about that. My point is, as evil as she looks right now, or as wrong-headed as she looks right now, I believe that her foremo- that 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 her motivation is creation. It is creating. It is being the the beginning of this new host species and. If she is going to, if she is to succeed, now maybe she's doing going about this the wrong way. But if it's if she's to be successful, the hosts that she creates have to have some measure of free will, and the only way for that to really play out in the storyline would be for a host to to disagree with her and to turn on her. So yes, the answer is yes. I mean, I argue with myself in my head all the time. <laughs> I feel like if you if you copied me ten times, I cannot imagine that we could spend much time together without getting in a fight. I absolutely will not live in a world where you're copied 10 times and we're all in the same room <laughs> arguing with each other. How do you think all those football you? blogs get done? <laughs> it's extremely factual. Uh, on a more tangible note, Dolores and Caleb stole all that money from Liam Dempsey. Aside from just money being important, what are the odds you think that they're trying to like buy, they're trying to outbid Ciroc for a portion of the Delos board. Like they want to take oh, it private so they so can take obvious. some of the money. I, I didn't even cross my mind when like Charlores went to the really good. She has a, hot, she has a wealthy don't she has a wealthy someone who's gonna who's gonna give the money. It didn't even occur to me that it would be Dolores. Of course it is. That's the, that's the most obvious thing there. And that makes a lot of sense as to my question from last episode, which was what can they do with hundred and fifty billion three hundred billion dollars they couldn't do with hundred and fifty billion dollars. I guess if there's a price tag on keeping Delos private then then that might be it. Yeah, shout out to Adam who sent that in. I think that makes a lot of sense. Totally so, true. Beautiful. And then another one, another question, staying with the Dolores duplication. This is from Kelsey Fink. If Dolores duplicated her pearl, do all of the Delori have the yes. key or coordinates or whatever to the Valley Beyond in their heads too? That's part one. And then part two is regarding Bernard's unknown purpose. Is Dolores maybe keeping Bernard around or alive because she put the coordinates to all that data in his head for safekeeping? Or at least part of it, like how you need two two keys to turn uh, a nuclear submarine. I am sympathetic to the... Launch a nuclear submarine. Yeah, I am sympathetic to the idea because it was posed... The question was posed in episode one. I'm sympathetic to the idea that Bernard has things in his head that he doesn't know that he has. Just like last season. 
um, that Dolores is hiding some stuff in him, certainly hiding her intentions uh, for him, from him. I mean, Bernard is so far like two chess moves into the game, and he's already trying to stop the person who programmed him. It doesn't make any sense. I have a better analogy. Bernard is literally us or like all the people on Reddit where he's just like, Liam's a host and he's going up and he's clicking at him. And he's like, he's a host. He's a host. He's like, no, he has to be. And he just like everything Bernard's doing, like, wait, what? And like, is he a host? Like, he just f- reminds me of me watching the show. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, <laughs> but the, to answer the original part of, of the question, no, I don't think the Dolores all have the key to the core. They could if Dolores put them there, but I think that's can, that would be like learned gained information and not necessarily i mean she's building theoretically building these new hosts from scratch so or from relative scratch so i would say no unless you disagree do you want to move on to i think it's possible but i am rooting for large piles of data that were not labeled properly on some space computer to not be uh, a major part of the finale that's i don't want that to be a thing we got a long way to go in this season um uh let's talk about william what do you say um i know what's real can i say that (laughs) Yeah, you can say that. A lot of people emailed us about William looking up at the chandelier, right? We didn't talk about that last episode, which looked like a control unit or Rehoboam or maybe you know had what the just reminded me cross of? on it. It took me a long time. I finally figured out. It, wow, I'm so happy this happened right now. I just figured out what that rant reminded me of where he opens. He's like, I know him. It reminded me of Mike Van, the Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State coach. Like, I'm the man. I'm 40. That's like what <laughs> William's doing in that moment. Um. What do you think about this? Do you think that what, what should we take from the uh, chandelier um, discussion? So, yeah, a lot of people pointed out it looks if you look up at it. I mean, there's a lot of symbolism there. One, it just looks like a control unit. And obviously, it's a question of whether he's a host or a human. And then also just control units look like Rehoboam, like but smaller. So there is so much going on there. I think it's two camps. It's one is, is he a host or a human? And two, regardless of that answer, is he in a simulation of the real world, which is zoinks of an answer um specifically i think the key there is like the the chandelier's bloody and it's dripping on him and then all the water crashes then he's dripping on his face and then the water crashes through and he crashes through into clear clean water so it's like where did the blood come from and this is kind of what we discussed about is he why does he keep remembering that bathtub and it's i think the cornerstone memory from his, his wife's suicide but he might be repressing a memory of his own suicide where one was a bloody suicide one was not so i think that is what the literal stuff that's happening is, is about those repressed memories in his head. Um, the question of whether he's in a simulation or not, I think is entirely, that's an entirely separate thing. But I, I guess if you, I, I think the most convincing answer about that is what happens at the very end where Dolores says to him, welcome to the end of the game, which very much implying it's like he does have his own maze now. Like th- that game was meant for him. And if you actually just look at the insight logo, which is more prominent in episode one, it literally is a globe. That's like a maze. It's like the same thing. Uh, I-, I think once I rewatched that and I saw like, Oh, the actual globe looks like a maze. I'm a little more open to the idea that maybe William and Char Loris are either the only people in a real world or the only in a simulation, but I'm open to the idea that he is in a different timeline so to speak than the rest of these characters at this point every flashback from previous seasons every slow motion hazy whatever memory whether or not it's a memory of a human or host certainly feels like fodder for potential simulations um at this point but who knows we can get to simulations in a second the one thing i wanted to address because a few people asked about this is there was a on william specifically there was a, a scene after the credits of the season two finale uh, which was really weird. And basically, William had a 45-minute elevator ride or something, and he gets to the bottom of the floor in the cradle or the, the I forget the names of the things. I can't, who can keep season two straight? But he gets to the bottom of the elevator and he wakes up in a simulation. So he, he doesn't get to a physical place. He's in the chamber where Dolores and Bernard had plugged themselves into with like Logan Delos in the simulation part of season two. And he's there with Emily, who he had, who had just been shot and dead. And she and he's like, oh, shit, I'm already in the thing, aren't I? So everyone's like, oh, my God, he was a host. And then Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, who made the show after the show, were like, that was super far in the future, way far in the future. So we know that he kind of will be a host eventually. But by saying it's so far in the future, it 
definitely opens up the idea of the wider world being a simulation, but it kind of only made the whole William thing more confusing. Well, I mean, it's so far in the future, but it's also the contemporary version of William, which... Exactly. Yes, exactly. If Even if that scene were so far in the future, I think that... I think that what we are intended to believe is that most is that people's kind of host selves are sort of their replications of how you what you look like when you begin the process, right? I mean, I don't think it, we haven't seen any evidence that someone that like you know James Delos wanted to be twenty five year old James Delos for eternity, right? Um, so it seems like if William is a host, it would in a thousand years. If that scene is a thousand years from now, doesn't it sort of doesn't it sort of mean that that model one was made now more or less? I have a question though. Wouldn't it also stand to reason that you couldn't inject your consciousness into a younger version of yourself because you would Ooh. have the projections of your future self still in that consciousness and it would just break you? Like if I could see what I'm gonna be at forty seven or 58 or whatever, but I'm still only 24. Wouldn't that like melt my brain? That, David, you're the old one. You take that one. Uh, I think the answer is yes. Uh, I, I mean, so I guess that the, the in theory, if they, so let's just say that like host technology was like, inc- I mean, or this, you know, brain swapping technology was so perfect that now you could basically just like have like the snap of a fingers, have host versions of a- everybody that's lived before from like, your great grandma to Abraham Lincoln to, you know, whoever else. Um, so like every one of them would be the lat, like the moments before death version of themselves. Exactly. Because otherwise it wouldn't make any sense for them to even be alive. Yeah. Which would All mean right. like, if you wanted to be like peak version of yourself and you really trusted the technology, then you would just like at your peak age, like 35, you'd be like, all right, I'm out. And they would kill your human body and put you into the host body. Well, yeah, and it would, it would probably would stop being. It, it would it would cease to be. You know, you would never call it suicide or anything like that. That's when you just sort of like, you know, you check into the hospital, and when you come back out, you're you're the same person. You're I know the exact age, age that Bobby would pick, which is one day before the Mets blew the 2015 World Series. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's the baseball. That's, that's how old Bobby wants to be forever. <laughs> baseball is canceled. I can't catch a break out here, and Heifetz needs to make Mets jokes right now. Well, I mean, All it's right. April. Someone has to do it. We could talk about this forever. What else about William? Should we need? Do we need to touch on here? Um, oh, here's an obvious one, and we and I did mention this last episode, right? From Chris Brown. Uh, hopefully, not that one. What is going on with William's <laughs> hand? Uh, during his hallucination in the beginning of the episode, he appeared to have nubs for fingers with metal pieces on the end. Um, well, I kind of brushed you off on this in the last episode because I think that there's some. I mean, he got shot in the hand, and I think it just is easy to forget he got shot in the hand. Uh, but I will say that they rewatching the scenes with him, they did weirdly go out of his way to not show the hand. Like the hand's just conveniently sitting just out of frame in a lot of scenes where I'm like, it's almost like they did it on purpose, including scenes where he's using his hand. Like he's shooting the gun lefty, which, like, but his hand's just not in the screen for a weird amount of time he's sitting down shaving and his hands just on his lap like you you just nuts and it's bandaged uh rewatching it i did think they were hiding it and i, I do wonder if the hand has more significance well you're they're hiding it but they literally showed it like it lived there was literally i mean there was just a, a scene where it wasn't a zoom in where his hand just like crosses in front of the camera and he has nubs or whatever yeah i mean i think there's a couple of things one maybe they just don't want to make a big deal about it but they're trying to have continuity Two, if you've ever known anybody or watched anybody on TV that has, you know, some sort of injury or handicap in that way, it's really easy to miss the fact that they're handicapped or injured. I mean, it's that I think, you know, it's it's you don't stare at fingers to the extent that you think you do. It's and also obviously, literally a key plot point in the prestige is one of the magicians is missing a couple of fingers. Yeah, exactly. And they and yeah, Spoiler and, and, in a 2006 movie. But yeah, I, if the is the, I mean, but are you still? I mean, Danny, you're in, you are still you still believe that the, what is wrong with his hand is he got shot in the hand in Westworld, right? I I think so. I think it's about what it is supposed to represent, and maybe there will be a literal reveal. But I think it's more about what what it's supposed to represent of his. The nubs shift. are metaphors, is what we're saying. <laughs> that no, might be I, the first, I, that might be the first shirt, a T-shirt of uh, of the recapitals Westworld. Um, uh. I do. I mean, I think that could obviously it could be very, very. The answer could be incredibly simple, which is 
he lost some fingers, the metal things on the end are just like how he connects to whatever mechanical think, hand he's dealing I think with. More important than the hand, I think a thing we have somehow not touched, which is kind of like it's just a massive failure on our part, is the man in black at the end of the episode is wearing white. Like that's that's what the, the takeaway is supposed to be. So we we saw him in the trailer and he's like, I'm gonna save well, the fucking world. And I think that it's about what is he who's he gonna be going forward now that he's asked this question of like wait, wait, I me. And I well wait, put a put a pin in that for one second because I do want to talk about it. But one more thing about the hand. Okay. Just, hypothet- <laughs> just hypothetically, if he was a robot, if he was a host. I'm gonna change your name to David Glovemaker. If if his if he was a host and on his journey to Westworld, where he believed himself to be a human. He got his hand shot off and then they took him back to the hospital to fix him. And the doctors are pretending that he's a human just because he's paid them enough money or whatever. Wouldn't they just give him back? Oh, Cause his the hand? doctors would know. <laughs> no, oh, but like, they, I guess they could reattach. If they have the like... ability to heal him, wouldn't they have just given him back his hand and said, it's a miracle rather than like go through this incredible charade of like, now you have fingers with <laughs> oh, you're, pointy you're things on the, the nubs. The, the technical details of his surgery being completely ridiculous. If he was yeah, like in a right. real world. Okay. No, Let's but, no, but that makes sense though. I think that the, I think the color to what you were saying before. I think the color of his outfit is probably important. I also noticed um, uh, when I was reviewing some images from the the season that Sirac has steadily changed from a man wearing all white to a man in a black suit with a white shirt to last episode a man in all black. Um, I think that the best. I, this is such a dumb thing to say, but if we go back, if we re, let's say at the end of the season with like, oh, yep, there was one simulation world and one real world, and then plot twist one was all, the whole thing was simulation, but. One real world, one simulation world. I think the biggest tell would be Sorak is a quote unquote good guy in one world and a bad guy in the other, and that's it, he's the ones where he's wearing white is one, and when he's wearing black is wait. But why would he world. be? Why would why would the guy who was like behind everything be a good guy in one and a bad guy in the other? Um, if one ends up being a human world, he's an ally of the humans, so to speak. I, I just, I mean, it's. I think we'll see, but I think it's the alternative is he's wearing white. The show's trying to. Say he's oh that he's like functionally a, like he 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 presents as a good guy inside the inside of yeah the unless simulation. it's like Breaking Bad where the 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 colors of what you're wearing are like dependent on your, what you're actually doing in that specific scene which I don't I I don't know if that's quite it I think it's that would be a lot can I put on my sports radio talk show host and just be like why are we still doing the black and white thing in 2020 like oh are those God. the only yeah, colors that are yeah, allowed to be symbolism. Can we do like green or red or something? Why is every single show just utilizing this black and white thing? Like it feels too obvious. I think it's I think it's because they want to lean all the way in. I think it's because they wanted to take a simple cowboy concept and then lean yes. into yin and yang. But that might red. be giving them too much credit. Um, I think that's right. I think it's a very traditional Western trope. There's white hats and black hats, and they are now playing with that genre. So I think that where they're going with all that is very much playing into white and black is stupid because it's all about the gray or at least i hope that's where it's going personally so in, so in f- some future episode they'll all be wearing gray yeah it's just gonna be gray it's just, the whole show's gonna be gray okay that, that's um, how the show ends is all those white rehoboam things with the white and black it just felt in just a gray screen and then it's just over all right let's jump back to william uh before we move before we actually move on to Ciroc. uh quick question this is from sean guys guys are we really supposed to believe that William, the majority stakeholder in Delos, a titan of industry and multi-billionaire, only has one bathroom? Oh. Sean, um, that's an excellent point. It's a great point. To point Although, out, so to clarify, what he's talking about is that he doesn't like going in that bathroom where you know his wife committed suicide, and maybe he did too. So he just shaves in his living room. This is a great point. Why? What the hell is wrong with this guy? Well, um. You know, he and his wife may have downsized at some point. Um, uh, to a one bath? Doesn't even have a one and a half bath? This is well, his Mark Zuckerberg his... wearing a sweatshirt to the court hearings over Facebook. Well, he could Dude, yeah. He could still There's have Caesar haircut. Ba- he could he could still have five hundred bathrooms. Well, so speaking he, of bathrooms, he's I have a question himself. about bathrooms in general. Here's a real estate question. I don't know. If you have two half baths, is that a full bath? No, no. It means you have two toilets and no bathtubs. <laughs> okay, but if you're looking at a real estate listing, it's like three and a half baths. Like, how do you know it's not like like one bath with like? How do you know it's not eight seven half, half baths? baths? Yeah, exactly. Um, I because I'm saying know, like maybe that's the problem here. I don't think they would do the math. I don't think you can add fractions in real estate. I think it would be like three and two half baths, 
But there are some homes that have like two half baths. So I'm just saying maybe that's the problem. Maybe he got duped when he was buying this property. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> no, just some realtors one can write in and explain to Danny how the world works. Uh, maybe he's not listening to that. <laughs> maybe it's the sight of like tiles or like, you know, whatever. Which does like masters in general? Yeah, it's maybe. like where does trauma. he do other activities? No, listen, his maybe his place is the size of a football field, but he was literally sitting outside the just outside of the bathroom when Charlotte walked in. And she was like, "Why are you not in that room?" It wasn't like, "Why are you not in a bathroom in general?" No, but okay, no, uh, she was t- twisting the needle, but she definitely was like, "Why are you shaving in your living room? Is something wrong with your bathroom?" With the implication be shave in your bathroom, you heathen. So the natural follow up here, which Sean, I think where Sean was really going here is. Where where is William pooping? Or if he's a host, does he poop? Maybe that's the key here. I mean, judging by the state of his house in that opening scene, uh, my mind I, I'm assuming is he, it's something like a hoarder's situation now where he's just like pooping in a pile in the closet, but uh who knows? Who knows? Cuz again, it that, wasn't like I rarely use my bathroom to shower. What he said was I don't go in there. Yeah, I think that there's I think that there's much to be learned about the about the Williams existence in his apartment and and we will learn a lot about I mean that'll probably be one of our ways into uh whatever this future simulation conversation is going to be because that there was no that was just a weird situation overall. I don't think that that, that was there's a, there's a lot there's a lot left to learn about that is all I'll say. Please uh, send your William pooping theories to the recapables westworld at gmail.com. Thank you in advance. Um if he's a host, he doesn't need to poop, for the record. Well, that's what I was uh, wondering about Bernard and Stubbs drinking the beers. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they can. I'm just saying they don't absolutely don't have to. All right, we're moving on as quickly as we can away from that conversation and talk about Ciroc. Uh This is uh, from Sam, Steve, um, I think others, Daddy too. Pe- we saw this a lot online. Many people are asking if Ciroc is Ford's brother because both wore sweater vests as children and both had a brother we never meet. Um... This never even occurred to me, despite the I, I, the visual cues, the visual similarity similarities between that scene in Westworld that I wondered about. Um, I, wow, I just have no interest in this at all. I was we put it here to kill this in the cradle. No, Sorak uh, is obviously French, and Ford is obviously not, and. I'll be kind of pissed if they are brothers because I think that's dumb. It does sort of open up this interesting door to the unnamed partner of of Liam's father being a reveal. I mean, if that if that turns out to be a significant reveal, if it's not just Sirach, if Sirach is indeed some sort of you know artificial intelligence, then maybe the unnamed partner is. Ford or something crazy like that. Although that seems no, the only the only part of cute. this web, and I know William wasn't part of this question, but I think the only interesting part of this web to me is that William doesn't have a last name yet. I think it's really weird. That part, I wouldn't be surprised if they had been withholding that on purpose. And there's some weird connection he has. But Sirach being Ford's brother, like like literally the whole thing is based on he just dressed like kid Ford did when he was a kid. I think that that's a uh, it's just a red herring. I think it's just t- solely to distract us. It would just—I mean, we—we we know where Ford. You think William? From, you think it's William Sirach? I—I <laughs> I hope not. No, I don't want any of these people to be related. I enjoy it when the world is larger. It would be cool if everybody was related. Just like if—if if the show like just totally just went down the path. Yeah. Um, Ford was Dolores. Sirach's Dolores. I think we're gonna—are we gonna come back to that scene and like the in, in the later questions Chernobyl about season two? Yeah. Okay, well, there's, there's a oh, lot no, to... Not, if, you, if you want to talk about Paris getting nuked, let's do that right now. Somebody wrote in and, said, and wondered whether or not that whole thing was just... I mean, a lot of people are trying to do the math about his age and what that would mean. We did it, yeah. too. And, and a lot of the Ford questions come down to this question about counting birthdays and whatever else. And um, somebody wrote in with a question about whether or not time passes... We know that time passes more quickly in a simulation, and maybe that explains why Sirach uh, seems younger than he might for that memory, and there's a lot of different ways we can go down this road, which has been used in Nolan stuff twice at least. I don't think yes, I don't think that anything that we saw in that Paris flashback is purely historical. I think it's either a, a fragmented memory or a reconstructed memory or a f- oh really falsehood. I just don't think if you see slow motion shit in Westworld from the past that we're like necessarily seeing like this is not like reading a reading a you know history textbook 
Yeah, it's more yeah. accurate than a textbook. Yeah, <laughs> because it's on camera. Yes, that's true. Okay, uh, moving forward. Um, why don't you talk about the simulation evidence? Yeah, so I mean, Sirach, I think, to the extent we can trust what he's saying, is kind of lays out the best explanation we have for what the hell Rehoboam is, which is that he witnesses this, or maybe he didn't, but he witnesses this thermonuclear incident in Paris and is pissed. So he goes to paint this composite picture of human behavior. And that's what he creates Rehoboam for. That's what the mirror world is for. So just by the fact of him laying this out, combined with what we saw in episode two, it's obviously highly possible, likely, that at least some of what we're watching is a simulation. So among the things we were emailed that are point, like just little nuggets of like what might be evidence in retrospect that it's a, right. it's a simulation. Liam probably should have recognized Dolores from Westworld. Paul emailed us that. Not the worst point if he's so experienced in Westworld. Like I said this in the, first, in the first show. Did. Yeah, but I'm giving credit to Paul. Fine. Paul gets all um, the credit. I'm giving credit to Crystal, who emailed us about the entire mirroring thing is interesting, but didn't we see that the park worlds were mirror worlds of each other? I seem to remember the entire opening of Shogun World introducing us to Japanese versions of Hector, Maven, Armistice. I want to shout out Crystal for two things. One, blowing my mind and also completely downplaying it as not that cool. Because I do love the idea that the Shogun World introduction was not just a cool wrinkle, but actually foreshadowing that the humans, like, there might be two Williams and they might meet each other. And that so, there's a precedent, which, to be honest, I'd kind of forgotten that there was a real precedent for having two worlds. And I thought that was a really good Call I've back. thought about that. I've thought about this, not not deeply, but I've, but this has crossed my mind. And I guess what what I think about is, and I love the way that Crystal put it. But I, what, the the way that I think about it is this: one, everything that we're going, whatever the big reveal, whatever the the great truth of the outside world is, is at the end of episode, at the end of season three, we will be able to look backwards and say, oh, they teased that in episode in seasons one and season two, right? I mean, they're they're going like yeah. it's. I, I don't have any doubt that they were that they had the foresight to to run many versions of what the eventual truth will be to kind of to to do that to give us a parallel to give us a um, well I mean honestly to give us training wheels because it's not just a literary technique but to as a way for the viewer to sort of wrap their head around an idea before it became this like philosophical theoretical morass right like we like we can have a conversation the second about parallel world without getting into like computer theory and whatever and that's and that's, and that's yeah. I, I think it's actually helpful that way and i think that's why the second episode happened is to be like hey guys study up on simulation theory yeah true. Uh, you know it's, it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't happening later um the thing we get emailed a lot why would dolores make a copy of musashi and why would musashi have been pretending that mave abandoned him as far as we know dolores has no idea that musashi exists never once like met them doesn't know anything about their relationship that's really weird and evidence is a simulation i'll be honest as someone who really prides knowing stuff about this show uh i have no clue why dolores um picked musashi the more i thought about it the less sense it made no someone i know i, I totally agree i think I, I was feeling this way too i, I think I, somebody wrote in to sort of and i saw a lot of people sort of like just like shoulder shrug it away you're just like yeah well you know they were dealing with the yakuza and yeah i was like, like yeah, that, that would make sense uh i mean i guess you could make the argument that she just sort of grabbed those control units at random sort of out of out of like a control unit like a, like a like a lotto bag or whatever and just like pulled the pulled the ping pong balls out and maybe, whoever she got she got or maybe it's um, like arnold's little 3d printer has like a compendium like yes. it's red dead redemption or something you can just scroll through the catalog and i don't like, think Ooh. the I don't think what he said to Maeve is necessarily indicative of... Well, I mean, I guess if she had his control unit, then, then she would have some indication of the relationship that he had with Maeve, and so she could have said that. It could have just well, been him sort of intuiting whatever Maeve said. on his control unit, and it's just the design... It's like the Nike shoe designer. You know, you can just, like, pick out the colors and the build, but, like, you know, you're putting your orthotics in there for your foot. You know what I mean? It's. I think that's kind of how it works. It's I mean, like if her there's nobody... If, if, we, if we end up with there being no other hosts, like, from the island from Westworld except for and Musashi is the only one that's sort of like random that w this will look really weird in retrospect but I guess we'll it, it, we have yes. to wait to find out um, but for now we have no idea let's move on uh, to what's a, what's this question from Justin yeah so just a, a more more nuggets about the simulation I mean we already knew that the two worlds theory oh, yeah. um, from Reddit user Lee Robbie who pointed out excellently that the two video recordings Charlotte left behind for her son right. were completely different one was 
vanilla and one was much more emotional and fraught and like sad uh and then the second part of that which in the light of the simulation thing rewatching it justin pointed out that the charlotte who was freaking out in the hotel room in the third episode and then the charlotte who kills the dog like the guy and takes his dog are like two completely different people Mm -hmm. and i don't know if it's whether one of them is the simulation thinking like part of me is like the one in the more simple world of charlotte and part of me is when thinking that the hotel room charlotte when she says it's like like uh, charlotte says i don't have impulse control and dolores is like yes you do and charlotte says it's like she's trying to claw her way back inside of me i'm curious if that's like the simulation trying to course correct whether the simulation doesn't know that she's dolores in her body or whatever but I think that there is a connection between those two people acting differently, possibly because they're in different worlds. And I do wonder about Rehoboam's connection to Charlotte and why that feeling was happening. Can we? Okay. Uh, I actually don't have this in front of me right now. So I could be, this could be just totally stupid. When, when uh, Charlotte, Charlotte or whatever, whatever that Charlotte Dolores uh, asks that about, um, or says she feels like she's trying to claw her way back inside of me. Is she talk? Is she specifically talking about Charlotte, or could she be talking about somebody else? I.e., could that's she a be good talk- point. It was ambiguous. Could she be talking about whoever's host control unit was overwritten to create what she that now is? Yes, I believe it was ambiguous. She didn't say Charlotte's trying; it said she. And then Dolores is like, she's a predator. Um, so I'm rolling with Charlotte until we hear otherwise. No, 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 no. You're right. Um, let's keep rolling. Just full stop. Let's keep so, rolling. But on, um, on the simulation stuff, uh, divergences, man. I think it's time we talk about this. Basically, God. all that I know. I thought I was going to get to leave. All right. Let's talk about divergences. Let's basically, go. all the divergences where Hoboram was like, divergence, alert, alert. And then a lot of scenes end with the fade to black with the idea that those are dividers. Those are the, the what are those things called in the grocery market? The supermarket where you divide your stuff from the other food, the whatever dividers. The aisle? Oh, you mean the thing on the, on the conveyor belt? Yeah, and the conveyor belt. Well, you said like those cut to blacks yeah. are separating the worlds. And like, right, if you were okay. to rewatch this at the after you see the whole season, if you rewatch it, you'd be like, oh, they were dividing. Yeah, what scenes were in what world based on the fade to blacks and the Rehoboam ones being like divergence. So I, I think I buy it. I'll be honest, I don't have it figured out exactly which ones are which yet, but. I buy the idea because so another Reddit post, this one's from Mrs. J1534, pointed out a couple things that were like ridiculous continuity errors to the point that I buy the idea that the simulation's glitching, kind of like Maeve did with this thing in season uh, episode two. Uh, specifically, the first scene with Bernard, like the first thing he does in this season is he comes across like a calf and which I thought was a deer and many people corrected my use of deers, but deer, but it's a cow. So it doesn't matter. You guys were all wrong. Anyway, it's a cow <laughs> kids. This is uh, what born and raised in New York looks like. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I walk my dog. I drink my coffee. Uh, anyway, the thing is dying and its legs are covered in barbed wire, but then you see it again and the barbed wire is completely gone, which is a ludicrous continuity error. And you would think right. it would be a continuity error, except Bernard looks confused by it. Like he's confused too. And then he walks back to his house and there's these guys next to him, these other workers who are like about to come, like they're playing a board game or something, and they're fighting and they're shoving each other. And then he looks back and they're singing, they're singing together, like singing a song. And he looks confused too. And then later in this episode, when he's walking out by the pool and to drop the beers off with Stubbs, the sky looks so haze, classic LA sky, because yeah. it's Victorville, is kind of outside Los Angeles. It's classic hazy June gloom LA sky. And then you zooms out and it's like a blue sky. And there's also like some continuity with a woman folding a towel, which you never know when you get into that. Well, stuff. Post, post a link to this on what your Twitter page. I will so post a link to, to this look. on my Twitter. The point being that there are such blatant continuity errors that aren't just continuity errors. It's like Bernard is noticing them too. Yeah. And that's where I wonder if Bernard is in his simulation because I mean, we explicitly got after the credits rolled in this episode, uh, Bernard is like in Arnold's house and Dolores is giving him a tour of it like as if he were Arnold and then his own voice says to him this isn't real and yeah. then he gets super confused and then he like flashes back into the quote unquote real world but you put all that together and it's not exactly subtle it's literally Bernard's whispering to himself this isn't real with him noticing continuity errors and I wonder if Bernard and Stubbs are in a simulation and that would mean if 
they met up with all these other people at the gala. Are they in a simulation too? So if you have to figure out which parts of these are which, I actually wonder if everything we saw in that gala event um, is all in the simulation. Well, solely because it's bizarre to me that Bernard's noticing continuity errors. I don't know how to explain that. Yeah, I think that's right. I like. I mean, I'd like to. Well, I, th- I think it's interesting. I like the idea of Bernard as our touchstone, sort of like just we'll, we'll pay he's more us. He's read it. Well, not just that he's us, but like maybe we should just pay really specific attention to what he experiences because he seems to be actively experiencing multiple things at the same time and being somewhat aware of it. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I just wanted to make sure you were listening to podcasts on Spotify. Here's how you do it. First, search for your favorite podcast on Spotify's app. They have a library of over 750,000 podcasts at this point. So let's say you're searching for the Bill Simmons podcast with rewatchables or Dave Chang show or binge mode or the ringer NFL show. Once you find them, click on the follow button. That's how you subscribe. Then click on those letters near the top of the app that say podcasts. You can't miss it. All the podcasts you're following will pop up separated by episodes, downloads, and shows. Wait, it gets better. On Spotify, you can adjust the speed of the pods to seven different speeds. 0.5 times is the slowest. I actually sound drunk at 0.5. Listen to this. Today's episode of the Bill Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. Yeah, you can get Drunk Bill. You can also do 0.8 times, 1.2 times, which is my favorite. Everyone sounds like they had a good cup of coffee. You can do 1.5 times. You can do two times. And if you're completely insane, you can do three times. Here's what that sounds like. Why would you do that? I think that's how we communicate with aliens. Anyway, Spotify's app connects directly to many of the best automobiles in the world. It even has a CarPlay feature that's pretty cool. It's really, really good. Best of all, it's free. Download Spotify on any device, and you are good to go. Look. I don't want to app shame you, but you should actually be embarrassed if you're not listening to podcasts on Spotify. And if you don't believe me, listen to Drunk Bill at 0.5 speed. Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast. Tell him, Drunk Bill, the Bill Simmons Podcast. Listen on Spotify. Next. One thing, this is from Ryan. One thing that went quickly in the episode and throughout the episode of the spaceships. Oh, yeah, those rockets from when the, Bernard was walking yeah. in. The spaceships were directly featured and Bernard and Stubbs directed their gaze. In addition, and this is important, those were Hoboam graphics that show anomalies or incidents have their distance unit in arc seconds. Arc seconds or minutes are units of distance when talking about astronomical distances. There's no need for this unless Rehoboam is doing space stuff as well. Otherwise, kilometers would su- suffice. In addition, wow. Sirach talks about that this world is not for hosts and humans, which makes me think there may be a space angle to the other world's theories. Wow. Are we already on another planet? Uh, I think this is an amazing question from Ryan. And I looked into arc seconds a little bit and to just give a little perspective on like what an arc minute is. An arc minute is one sixtieth of a degree. So a full, if you're going a full circle, an arc minute is one twenty one thousandth of a full turn. But we're dealing arc seconds, so an arc second is one of like 1.3 millionth of a, of a full turn. Which, okay, what does that mean? Well, we keep seeing the circles with Rehoboam, right? Like a simulation, it's like a circle. The description, you know the descriptions for the episodes this season are really weird? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The you know wire the, stuff? The, yeah, the single sentence description for the first episode is, if you're stuck in a loop, draw a straight line. And all I could think of when I learned this arc second stuff was, Rehoboam for somehow is doing these arc seconds draw a straight line like the radius of a circle that's how you break the simulation draw a straight line how do you do that you have to freeze it like Maeve did but what did Maeve do in that when she was doing that whole dry run thing her and Hector tried to get on a plane so if we were looking at the Maeve thing as like that was the dry run for the simulation I'm wondering if they have to fly like they're gonna have to actually get on a spaceship because Arnold had had a model plane in this episode, in his house no, no, too. Okay, I yes, uh, everything you're saying is fine. <laughs> I, I think I think you just jumped. I think you just leapt over like so many hurdles on the way here, though. That, yes. Uh, first of all, would it not be the case that if this is a heavily space, Bobby, you can? Why don't you try to answer me? Because I I feel like I'm going crazy here. If space travel were a reality, 
if space travel were like an, a significant part of the way of our society, of our global society, which clearly is not restricted by borders anymore, wouldn't it wouldn't it be feasible that just everything is measured in arc seconds or arc minutes or whatever? If we're if we're if that's like a thing that we, if we have to talk about arc distances on the news every day, wouldn't we just be measuring our lawns in that too? We can't even agree on like using the metric system in America. So getting separate governments to agree on measuring everything in arc seconds and arc whatevers might might be difficult. The only thing the whole world agrees on is time. The, no, we used to not be able to agree on the metric system, but then we blew up Paris to to get our way. And I think everything, um, I think that's what we're going to learn the season was about. Uh, separately, if we get to the moon and we could be in the moon or somewhere else, it's totally, totally easy for me to believe that like the uh, the servers for the fake world, for the premier world are on the moon or something to that effect. But I think, I do feel like the end result of that is that everything we've experienced so far is on the moon and like next season is like oh shit we got to start over i mean they had spaceships in this episode pretty casually i think that is really important to note we got to keep moving uh let's want to save caleb talk for next week yeah let's save caleb talk for last week i think the last point i want to make on the simulation stuff is just the idea that this world or i think it's important to note that there's a big parallel between dolores and and what sorak is doing dolores is splitting herself right and it's not a coincidence that like the control units look like Rehoboam and Sirach is basically, that's kind of what he's done, right? He's trying to create a mirror world, which you could look at in a way as you're copying itself. And then in theory, that world would eventually someone in Sirach's simulation would copy. And like, you might get splicing worlds just like Dolores is splicing herself. And I think that's interesting because Dolores, like all of season two, the operating thesis Dolores was working with was what, like she asked Arnold, what is real? And she's like, that which is irreplaceable. And now Dolores seems super replaceable, extremely replaceable. And I think that they're going to have to change that definition as we move forward because it doesn't really make much sense anymore. If Dolores, like what's real is irreplaceable, I don't think that works if she's constantly replacing herself and replacing people. And it might apply to worlds too. All right. Let's, I think that's right. Uh, to, to borrow a phrase from myself. Uh, let's, let's do this email from Alex, this email from, uh, from Sean, and then we'll just like, uh, this isn't about specific character. This is just generally, this is from Alex. Hey guys, we've been trained to question everything we're seeing on the screen so much that it's hard to realize the stakes from scene to scene. People die and come back. What we see on the screen can be simulations or projections or hallucinations or a character's interpretation or false memory. In this latest episode, we've yet another main character, Maeve, die in front of us with no real notion of permanence and added yet another method of presenting actors and characters to something other than reality. I feel like this topic has gotten plenty of attention from critics. Just curious to hear how you personally find yourselves taking in what you see on screen as you watch an episode the first time through. Oh man. Um, this is a real conversation. This is going to, this, this is a bigger conversation than we have time to give it right now. So, and we will come back to it, but I did want to touch on it because it's like, you're right. People are, people talk about this all the time, especially critics and stuff. I guess for me, a world where there's no permanence or at least we haven't reached the definition of permanence in those in these situations yet. I guess to me that's not it's not necessarily less fulfilling than the world which this is birthed out of, which is like the old odor Western world where like on within thirty seconds you know who's gonna live and who's gonna die. Right? Uh it wasn't until we got to like Eastwood that there was any sort of like question about morality and about comeuppance and winners and losers. I mean, this is this is, you know the heroic legend, the heroic myths, right? Um, it's still, it can still be fulfilling to see a story end the way you know, the way you know it's going to end from the beginning. I think that this is just throwing that, that's just turning that on its head. It's not really a measure of fulfillment in terms of death being permanent. I think you can find your fulfillment elsewhere. I mean, is that just like overly sympathetic to the, of, of me to say that? I'm, I'm curious what Bobby thinks because we're into this show because we like it and Bobby was into this because we roped him to produce this podcast and made him catch yeah. up on the show. So I'm really curious what Bobby thinks about this. Just in terms of the idea that what you watch on screen might not be what is actually going on just in general. Well, mm -hmm. I think I think when oh, but specifically like when Maeve dies and there's no fear that like, oh, we're never going to see Maeve again. Well, I mean, it's just a matter of personal preference, right? Like I have never been a fan of bringing people back to life in TV shows, which is why, you know, if you go back to something like Game of Thrones, where like they decided not to do some of the, the rebirth of dead people plots, 
from the books just because it it's just it's harder for people to watch it and feel like there are stakes i don't know i've I've, i personally have turned myself over to the show at this point because i know that it's part of the whole your job caboodle it's yeah well it's part of my job and also part of like the whole circus of the the show is that like maybe none of this is real or maybe all of it is real or maybe it doesn't matter i think i i I like i like the way you put that i think that well first of all for game of thrones (laughs) uh the entire show was built around somebody dying and come back to spoiler alert. The entire premise of the show hinges on somebody coming back to life. And the reason why they got rid of some of the other ones is because it lessened the impact of that one thing, which was a hugely important part of the show. Also, despite the fact that they took away all these other parts of the story that were, that were already in the, all these other rebirths or whatever reincarnations that were in the book, the game of Thrones Reddit, because we, we talk about Westworld Reddit all the time. Thrones Reddit was speculating about people coming back to life every second of every day. So it's not like, that deter- that detracted from the way people viewed the show. It just like it just never happened. The I I think that it's I think it's a valid critique of the show that the stakes are kind of ephemeral. But um, you know I think that I, it's I'm willing to I mean I, I'm I'm somehow fulfilled by the show and I'm willing to see how this plays out. I, I didn't think for a second Maeve was gone from the show uh, after last episode, but. I the think thing is, ca- like the the stakes have always been clear, though, because in the first episode of the first season, everybody just gets murdered all the time. Exactly, and they come right back to life. That's the point of the show. So we got to find something. We got to find a deeper. We got to find a deeper permanence, I guess. Anyway, next question. This podcast is my deepest permanence. <laughs> this podcast will never end, much like Westworld. This is from Sean. Different Sean. Shoemaker. Oh wow! Direct. This is a direct address to me. Direct from. This is to the masked man. On the oh, Sunday great. night pod, you set the chessboard up as a five by four handicap match with four Loris and Caleb, NDO, New Dolores Order, versus Sirach, Maeve, Stubbs, and Bernardold. Who, past or present wrestlers, any organization, would you say each character is? How do you see the eliminations going and who wins in the end? I know nothing about There's nothing wrestling. better than when someone's like, I got a special question for you, but I'm not going to tell it to you until we're live on the podcast. And then it's a question that would take me like 45 minutes of research to answer correctly. So I appreciate uh, you putting me on the spot here. Um, I think that uh, the, well, Four Lorises and Caleb. Oh, God, so, so really I don't know hard. what this even means. So I'm like, I'm very excited. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, okay. So the, the Four Dolorises are the Four Dolorises that we're calling the Four, the four Dolorises of the Apocalypse. So we're going to, I'm going to take this back. It's the Four Horsemen. Uh, Dolores uh, Prime is uh, is um, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Um, the two, wait, who are the? So we have we have uh, Charlotte, we have Scott, uh, Scottish Martin. Wait, who's the other Dolores? Correct. <laughs> that's the, can that be the name of this episode? Musashi. Who's the other? And Musashi. All right, I think Musashi is kind of the wild card, right? So I would say, uh, let's see. Scottish Martin is uh, the enforcer, so he is Arn Anderson. Um, the Charloris uh, is God. What is this? she's the big talker? She's like the actor, so she's she's uh, she, well, she'd be JJ Dillon or she'd be Ole Anderson. Um, yeah, Musashi doesn't matters the least, so he's Tully Blanchard. I'm a huge <laughs> Tully Blanchard, Mark. So that doesn't really matter. And then the fifth one, I mean, then Caleb would be the fifth, so he's either JJ Dillon, the manager. Or he's like a like a sort of like low key hanger on a different like a fifth horseman, which would be like someone in the you know Sid Vicious, uh, Barry Windham mold. Anyway, that's a, that's people are going to really get mad at me calling Barry Windham a lesser one. Barry Windham was an epic horseman and one of the most important people. All right, and that would mean that the people on the other side are the much lamented dudes with attitudes. So Stubbs is uh, wait, who's the oldest here? Like Stubbs is like. Uh, junkyard dog uh mave because she has the accent is uh is british bulldog i think he was in that crew um the mate or was mave sting Ber- bernard is sting for sure um and then i don't even remember who else was in this team Sirak is the steiner brothers i don't even remember all right let's move on i feel like that question was micro targeted to confuse me yeah i, don't, I have I, no I, idea i'm, I'm confused and i just answered i don't even remember the dudes with attitudes who are at this point i can't I, I can just like who fought the horseman alongside staying and it's all, it's all it's in my mind all right moving on you sounded correct okay that must well, be what it's like to listen to this podcast if you've never heard, seen the show that was the most sane thing we've said in this whole episode all right uh let's skip over the next one and then um oh i see that sean is from charlotte so uh you know good going sean if you ever you know 
want to hang out with the masked mom or dad, just let me know. They live there too. Uh, okay. One thing I want to talk about in this is Annie C's note. Uh, and this is the only nugget I think that really bears mentioned is, uh, uh, she mentions the names in the show. And this is our big thought. This is our championship belt. This is our like low-res JPEG championship belt that we should email her because I want to think about this more as this week goes on. I'd like to know if there's any meaning behind the names in the show being just ever so slightly different. I know you guys have discussed Charlotte Charlie and maybe in an episode for an earlier season, Delos Dolores. I'm really curious about Liam being short for the name William. Have we ever heard the man in black's last name? Do you think there's any connection? Or are these just red herrings? Because it certainly be for a lack of creativity or laziness. Uh, wow. Wow. The idea that even at the very basic level that Charlotte and Charlie might be like two sides of a simulation or just the fact or just the idea that they're sort of playing with our idea of reality. All of this is deeply interesting to me. Um, I know Danny, you've done some research on this, but let's talk about it next week. I want to leave the, I want to leave everybody thinking about this from now, but we got to get out of here. But before we do, um, let's do our most favorite segment in the whole thing, which is Westworld Reddit out of context, uh, where Bobby reads a Westworld headline. He'll read three of them, and then Danny Heifetz has to uh, uh, defend it. Bobby, go. Dolores is Ford. Yes, because he created her, and then he put himself inside of her control unit. So he is Dolores and has always been Dolores from the okay. get-go. That's why he, he likes her. Yeah, you didn't just become music. He became the protagonist of season three. <laughs> exactly. Westworld, the show, and I guess the whole world in general, is sponsored by Elon Musk. Uh, underwritten. Kind of like, who was that crazy, like the crazy billionaire from that 3M hedge fund who funded the Wolf of Wall Street? It's like that, but for the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. Uh, final one. Westworld is the world a few decades after Person of Interest. Are you up on Person of Interest, Heifetz? We've gotten so many Person of Interest emails. I would like to personally apologize to all the Person of Interest fans. Uh, We have not seen it. We will try to catch up. We'll we'll do it. We got to do it at some point. Thanks to Marshall 800, uh, Humphrex, and Engine Lurker for for those headlines. Guys, thank you so much for those, and thank you so much for all of your emails. You can email us anytime you want at the recapables westworld at gmail.com we'll be back after the next episode season three episode five um until then have a great week humanoids i know what's real 